You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Dave Ammons. Good morning. Good morning. Is that me? Here we go. How's everybody doing? That's what I'm talking about. Happy Sunday. It's a good day to be in church. Come on. Was that not good? Jeez, maybe I just needed it. Anybody else give a hallelujah? Kids are back in school. Did y'all know that? At least mine are. I don't know if yours are yet. The glory will come soon. It's going to be awesome, right? Man, well, we're starting a brand new series. I'm stoked to be up here with you. Listen, the Lord has really just kind of been dealing with me. We've been not only just in an exciting season, we've got a lot of stuff happening here in the church. But let me just ask you this question. How many guys have been in a season of life where God is just doing massive things in your life? Anybody had those seasons? Yeah? How good are those? Come on. I feel like as a church that there's so many people in those seasons right now, myself included. And just to give you a pre-warning, I'm jacked up for what God is doing. And uh, I'm excited for this series and what it's going to do really for every single one of us. And I've been praying about that. You see, August for me, I don't know if you're like me, but August kind of seems like the beginning of a new year. Anybody have that? Maybe it's just parents because your kids are going back to school, but it's like, woo, new launch, right? Systems are being resurrected that you laid to, you know, to die over the summer, right? Bedtimes are back in effect. It's an amazing things that are happening, right? We're cranking things back up, and it just kind of seems like everything's kind of getting back going. Now, what comes along with that is this potential rat race feel. You know, systems are getting back in, schedules are getting back in, sports are coming back alive. Uh, And so you can have this kind of rat race feel, and if you're not careful, the task and and the the to-do list in life, man, it can just absolutely dominate your world. Now, you throw on top of that the current state of our world, the current state of our society, Man, you can get overwhelmed pretty fast. Have you guys ever noticed that sometimes that you, you just feel crazy stressed out because you have all these things floating around in your head? Come to find out when, when you just take a couple minutes, you slow down a little bit, and you realize, oh, there's actually only two things that I really need to get done. But yet it seems so overwhelming, right? And so here's what I want to raise to us this morning. When we don't have a vision for our life, life will create its own vision for you. And when that happens, enter the the tired feel, right? Sometimes it feels like you're lost. Maybe you feel like you're just stuck in life. Here's the one that I most identify with. It feels like you're going 100 miles an hour, and you're not sure which direction you're going. Like, I don't know if I'm going the right direction, am I going the wrong direction, but I'm going 100 miles an hour, right? That's why in August, what I like to do is I like to take a second, I just slow down a little bit. I want to make sure, am I still on track? Do I need to redirect, if need be, where I feel like the Lord is leading me? The same things that he communicated to me in January, how am I doing now here in August? That's just kind of where I feel like I am. How many guys have ever had a season of life where it just feels really average? Just, just kind of like, eh. Like you have a great day at work, but you get home and it just doesn't do anything for you. You're just, eh, whatever. Okay. Wake up. We'll do another day. Right? Or, or maybe your family is just, you have so many hopes and dreams for your family, but you're just kind of going through these motions. Like there's, there's, there's no deep connections. There's... Isn't it crazy how in January you can be fired up for what God's communicating to you? You have all these visions and dreams of what he's going to do in the workplace, what he's going to do in your business, all these things that he's going to do in your your family, but give it just a little bit of time, and it's amazing how sometimes things just change. It's like we wake up, we wash, we rinse, we eat, we go to work, come back, eat some more. Go to sleep, wake up, do the whole thing over again. Day in, day out. It's like we're going through these motions. Now, what I just described to you, that is not the good life. 
That, that, that is not the life that God had in mind when he was creating this universe. When God was forming human beings and breathing his life into us, that is not the picture that he had in, in mind. There has to be more to life than the way that we know it. There's got to be. There's got to be more peace. I've got to have more peace in my life. I've got to have more fulfillment when I lay my head down at night. There's got to be more, right? There, there's got to have this feeling like I have a purpose. And the answer to that is 100% yes. You see, God's vision for us from the very beginning of time itself was exactly that. He saw a life that, as he describes, exceeds expectations. That we wake up every single day on purpose, for a purpose, that absolutely fires us up. In fact, the way that he says it, in, it's going to be the way that I begin this service and the way that I end this service with a line like this. The way that he says it is he says, I want you to have a certain kind of life. I want you to have a full life. Well, church, what I want to present to you today is that all throughout Scripture and all throughout this series, God has that for every single one of us. And I'm going to show it to you. In fact, he has a set of promises that helps ensure that that's not just something that we read about, but it's actually our reality. Like, we're not just reading it on pages, but we're living the experience of the, of the kind of life that God wants for us. These promises that I'm talking about will not only give us those answers that we long to know about in our lives, but it's going to quench that desire that we all have on the inside of us, which is this. There has to be more. So for the next five weeks, here's what we're going to do. For the next five weeks, we're going to take a journey. And here's the cool thing. Every single person on this planet Earth, every one of us, everybody say me. me. That's exactly who I'm talking about. Every single one of you guys, you're somewhere in this journey that we're going to expose. Okay? Now, last week, we talked a lot about the foundation of this church, the foundation of cathedral. And by the end of this series, you will know some of the principles that make up the core of that foundation. You see, our founding pastor, Mike Lewis, early on, before cathedral was ever really a thought, he wrestled with this same question before he got into ministry. And that question was, God, there's got to be more. Surely this isn't what life is all about. And that's been our driving force for us here at Cathedral ever since, which is creating a place where we pursue everything that God has for us. What is that life? I don't want to just know about it. I want to live that life. In fact, here's a, a statement of purpose that I could find as far back as I could find it. Here's what it is. I'll put it on the screen for you. But even in those early days, here's some of the vision of what this place was. This is what we were going and chasing after. We wanted to exalt God. We want to, we want to know who he is, right? We want to do things like we're attracting people and leading the unsaved. And it goes on. We're encouraging Christians. And we, we want to consecrate. We want to know everything that God has for our life. That's the vision of it. You can take a picture if you want. You can read it every day if you want. Now, we don't sound exactly like that. The words have changed over time. They've got a little bit easier to say, but it's exactly the same vision. If you've gone through our growth track, this, this is exactly what you're going to get. And so the series, what it's going to do is it's going to kind of give you a behind-the-scenes look of why are we so passionate about this kind of stuff? Biblically, where does this come from? Was this just something that 35 years ago the Lord gave to Pastor Mike? Where does it come from biblically? And does God really have a plan for our lives? We're going to unearth those things. But before we do, let's pray for this service in this series. All right. Lord Jesus, I, just, I appreciate you so much. Lord, thank you for giving us your word that is so powerful. Father, there's a lot of things going on in our life. A lot of things that want to pull our attention. But Father, I just ask, would you open up our hearts? Would you open up our minds this morning? Lord, I just believe so wholeheartedly that there's, there's a set of promises, there's a way of doing life that you want to expose to us this morning, that as we engage over these next five weeks, 
we're not going to be in the same place. And so, Father, we're open to that. Lord, would you use us? Would you, would you have your will be done in our life in this series? And everybody said? Amen. 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 All right, let's go ahead and jump into this. Before we get too far into it, what are, how I want to start off is I want to start off by talking about promises in general. Did you know that God has promises for you? Okay? It seems like a basic question, right? But do you know what they are? In fact, let me take it one step further. Did you know that there was a theme of promises laced all throughout Scripture? The first time that we see this theme of promises in Scripture was actually over 3,500 years ago. God made some promises to a group of people called the Israelites. And here's what's so amazing about this is that those promises are still operating today. They're the very heartbeat of what God wants to do in our lives right now. So before I reveal what those promises are, I just need to make sure that we have a good understanding of what it means when God makes promises. When we read a promise in scripture, what does it mean? And then the flip side of that, what are we supposed to do? Like, what's our role? Because I certainly don't want to be the cog in the wheel. If there's something that I need to be doing, I want to expose that. We need to understand the power of what promises are in Scripture. Let me start off with this Scripture. It comes out of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Here's what it says. It says, as a result, which by the way, I've had a crazy week. School started. We had two birthdays, two that we had to do. My heart was I wanted to give you all notes. I ran out of time. So I completely apologize. I'm going to do my best to get you all notes. But this is going to be, a, you're, you're going to want to take notes. I, there, there's some stuff I believe that God wants to reveal to us. So however you do that, whether that's phone, card, I don't care what you do, but get it out. I'm going I'm to I'm lace through it quickly, but if there's something, go ahead and take a picture of it, write it down. However you want to do that, but I promise you I'll do better next week. School's not starting again for us, so I'll get you some notes next week. All right. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Here you go. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises. Everybody say promises. That are beyond all price. So that, okay, that means that these promises have a purpose. It's not that he, he just gave us these magnificent promises just to float around out in the world, right? No, no. So that they, they, they are supposed to accomplish something in particular. In fact, the remainder of this verse actually gives us two things that they're supposed to accomplish. These magnificent promises, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, we can experience a partnership with the divine nature, talking about God, by which you have escaped the corrupt desires of that world. Now, the life that 2 Peter is describing right now is not a earthly-based, economy-based, business-based, whatever this natural world can... It's not having that kind of reality. This, this reality that 2 Peter is describing is a heaven-based reality. It's a, it's a God-based reality. L let me say it this way. If your life doesn't feel divine, if that relationship that they're talking about is not on par, if you don't have the ability to escape the hardship in the corruption of this world, you may not be living and operating in the promises that Scripture talks about. And if that's true, if you identify with that verse, then you can say with all confidence that, yes, there is more to life. You see, if you're on the fence with this verse, I encourage you, take a survey of what's going on in the world right now. If the world's reality is greater than the reality that God is talking about in Scripture, we're not living the way Scripture intended. You see, God never intended for our best life to be the height of what this natural world could offer. One look at your IRA right now and you say, thank you, God. Rather, he intended you to live a different kind of life. He intended you and I to have a supernatural life. He has magnificent promises. And my prayer, church, is that we don't leave them on the table. He's got offers for us. Let me give you a definition, a working definition of the word promise. You can look it up on Google. 
Merriam-Webster, there's a bunch of different little small definitions. This is the best, most concise one that I, I, I could find for you. And here's what it is simply. It's an offer with a guarantee. Okay? Now let's apply that to the Bible in our lives. Okay? Because as you go throughout Scripture and you read these promises that God has for us, here is what you can, you can know now that you have a working definition of the word promise. Okay? When you read his promises, you're reading a guarantee about your future. Oh, no, y'all didn't hear me. Not a problem. Here we go. When you read his promises, you're reading a guarantee about your future. That should get you jacked up. Because if there's something in your life that's not working, that's not what the Bible has for us. There's offers on the table that God has prepared for us. They're sitting there, but the reality is that all too often, we leave them sitting right there on the table and never pick them up. Here's something that we have to understand with this. God has promises, and when God gives you a promise, here's one thing that you don't have to worry about. Are they going to happen? We live in a natural world. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that there's been so many broken promises. Yes, I understand it. It may be hard to believe, but not with God. Scripture actually confirms this very thing, and he does it very plainly. This is Joshua chapter 21. Here's what it says. Not a single one of all the good promises that the Lord has given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything, not just a few of them, not most of them, everything he had spoken came true. Okay, let's take it one step further to build our confidence as we're taking this journey of understanding God's role in our promises in our life. This one comes out of Hebrews chapter 6. It says, when God wanted to guarantee his promises, don't you love how plain the scripture is sometimes? I mean, if you're wondering, you don't get any more clear than this. He gave his word. It's a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word. He's not a human like us. He's superhuman. He's supernatural, meaning that he cannot break his word. When he gives his word, it is so. And because his word cannot change, likewise, the promise is also unchangeable. We who have run for every, for our very lives to God, I love this line. Let me just read it to you. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. Come on, have y'all ever been in a season where you've said yes to too many things in life? Yeah? And then you enter this next season that you have to figure out how to delicately say no to a lot of things and a lot of people. That's what it makes me think of when I read that phrase. Because are we grabbing with both hands and not letting go the actual things that will do things in our life? Or are we grabbing a hold of so many things that not only don't help us, but they hurt us? What are we saying yes to? Are we saying yes to the promises that God has to create the good life? Because when we do, there's a certain outcome. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline, reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God himself. That should fire you up. Everybody right now should have this thought when you're going home today. I hope you do at least. That you have this thought of saying, Man, I've got some areas in my life, they're not good right now. i got some stinking thinking going on up here. It ain't looking good. But I'm going to find some promises that God says, and I'm making sure that I take him up on his offer because I know they're true, and I know they're going to happen in my life. I need hope in this particular area of my life, and I'm going to grab his promises with both hands, and I'm never letting go. That's God's part of the equation. So what's ours? Let me give you a couple thoughts around this. You're going to want to jot these down. Here's the first thing. We need to know his promises. There's a lot of promises that God gives us in the Bible, and it's why it's so powerful that we need to read his word every single day. And don't get religious on this. I don't need you reading your Bible an hour and 52 minutes every single day. You know how long it takes you to read a promise of God? 
about a minute. That's all God needs. What God needs is our consistency. Because there's so many promises all throughout Scripture, he'll expose them to you every single day. And it's amazing how exactly whatever you need will be what you're reading that day. But we need to know his promises. Here's one of the reasons why. When life doesn't make sense, you need to find out what the Bible says and you need to hold on to the promises that God gives us. A good habit for you is, man, you got some challenges? You got some difficulties that you're facing right now? Find out what scripture says. See what it has to say about it. Know his promises. Hear me when I say this. There's not a situation in this world that you're going to face that you're not going to find the promise that goes along with it. The promise that God has for you. You feel alone? Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Remember that I am always with you until the end of time. You got a need? Financial? Relational? I don't care what it is. Personal? Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will meet your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You got anxiety about something? You got anxiety about your job? You got your anxiety about your marriage? You got some anxiety about starting school this year? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, I got a solution by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. Are you getting the picture of how important it is to know the promises of God? Second thing is this. We need to understand his promises. It's great to know his promises, but we got to combine it with understanding. Because every promise has a premise. We say it this way. Every promise has an action step on our part. You know, it may be as simple as we need to have the faith to receive the promise. Sometimes I don't see it. Sometimes I read it in scripture and I'm like, I don't know that it's there, but uh, oh my goodness. It's actually there, just like you said. He reveals his promise. You know what I love about this? Every single time that I have to increase my faith, I grow closer to him. I grow more dependent on him. I grow more confident in him. And that next time that I have a bigger situation in my life, what am I going to do? I got this because I know my God is going to be there. It's powerful. It may be that we need to ask, are we in right relationship with the Lord? Okay? Think about it from the prodigal son standpoint. I bet you that father had so many blessings he wanted to pour out on his son. He just never had the opportunity because the son didn't want to be a part of the family. Sometimes we need to ask those questions. Where, what God, maybe it's like David in, in the book of Psalms where he says, search my heart, O Lord. Make sure that there's nothing of this world. God, I want it to be of you and nothing of me. But it's the heart, and as we, as we seek after this, as we go after our understanding, may we never forget this as a part of it. 2 Corinthians first 1, or chapter 1, verse 20 says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, They are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Everybody say yes Yes. and amen. Amen. We need to know them. We need to understand them. And the final thing is we got to pursue them. It's really what this series is about, church. Just because I want bigger biceps doesn't mean it happens. (laughs) Been praying for them for a long time and it just, I don't know. Guess what I got to do? Got to go to the gym. And I actually got to pick up a weight and curl it. Stinks, right? But the same is true with God's promises. We have to chase them down. But I don't want you to get worried. I don't, I don't want you to get anxious or have this thought of, Dave, I, I don't, how do I do this? I'm going to do to the best of my ability to show you over the next five weeks what God already had available to you. You're going to look back five weeks from now, and here's what you're going to say. I'm out in the same place that I used to be five weeks ago. I'm praying that over, and I'm speaking that over you guys. David, in the book of Psalms, displays this very same quality and this attitude that I really want us to have as a church. It's been my prayer. Here's what he says in Psalms 119. He says, your promises, God, they have been tested thoroughly. God, I didn't believe you when you said it in your word, but I stepped out in faith, and man, it came true. Man, God, I didn't know how you were going to get me through this situation, but I tested your promises, and it happened in my life. God, I didn't know how you were going to save my life, 
but I tested them. And because I tested them, your servant loves them. Church, I hope we get to a place in life where our attitude is that we thoroughly test the promises of God. And because of it, we can have confidence in loving every single time we see one in Scripture going, I'm going to claim that one. Let's go. Right? Excuse my dance moves. They're awful. You know, I figured something out about God when I was uh, uh, studying for this series. Interesting. I'll give it to you. God likes to be tested. Whether it's his promises, whether it's around his principle of tithing, giving, no matter what it is. God likes to be tested. But now I know why. If you had to take a test, but before you took that test, you knew that you were going to get 100. How confidently would you stroll up in that classroom and say, come on, big boy, give it to me. I got this. God never fails. It's why he loves when we test him. He knows that another aspect of who he is is getting ready to be revealed in your life. Let me remind you again, when God gives you a promise... What he is actually doing is giving you a guarantee about your life. Let me say it this way. If you know him, if you understand him, if you pursue him, it's a guarantee to a better life. It's a guarantee to the good life. Y'all ready to know what some of these promises are that guarantee you this kind of life? Me and you, brother. About me and you. That's all we know. Nobody else wants to know promises. I'm going to speak to you, baby. <laughs> Thankfully, the Lord gives us grace. Y'all ready to hear some daggone promises? Yeah. Come on. Here we go. Here's what we're going to do. Each week, what we're going to do is we're going to explore these four promises. There's four promises that God gave to the Israelites, and they're still true today. And as we read throughout Scripture, you're going to see a lot of different promises. But all of these promises that you'll read about, they center around these four thematic promises that God has for us. It's the heart. And the first time it comes to us is Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. And this is going to be the theme verse for us throughout the entire series, okay? So y'all can read it a lot. Now, this is the verse that Jewish people read every single year as they celebrate the Feast of Passover, okay? If if it's a popular feast over over in Israel with Jewish people. Uh, It happens every single Easter. And here's what they're celebrating. Kind of think of it like an Independence Day, okay? They're celebrating their freedom from the bondage and the captivity of the Egyptians, okay? Now, in this verse, we get four I will statements that God promises, and God tells Moses, I need to make sure that you tell the Israelites something. Here's what I need you to tell the Israelites. Uh, Exodus chapter 6 starts off, says, Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out. That's the first thing that we see God wants to do. Notice what he is not doing. He's saying, hey, listen, I've got to get you out. What he's not caring about is he's not worried about how perfect you are, that you have it all together. He doesn't want to fix you. He doesn't want to change you. He doesn't care how holy you are. He simply just wants to get you out. He wants to save us. He, he, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Once I accomplish that, then I will free you from being slaves. Well, hold, hold on. Now, this one's kind of interesting because didn't you just took me out of Egypt where I was a slave, but yet you already want to save me from being a slave again? Yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. You see, the Israelites were physically out of Egypt at this point, but Egypt was still inside of them. They, they lived like a slave for so long that they didn't have any other ways to act. You know they wanted to go back to slavery because they liked the food? Read it. Their thinking had to change. Let me say it the churchy way. You're saved. You're going to heaven, but you still got some issues in your life. You got some challenges in your life. You got some habits and, and, and attitudes and, and addictions and, and, and just these overall problems. And he says, I will free you from all of this, from being slaves to them. And then the third thing that we see is, I will redeem you. You're not going to stay the way that you are. I'm going to redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Then the fourth thing we're going to explore is, 
I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then, then you will know, Cathedral, that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the yoke of the Egyptians. He's saying to us, hey, listen, I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to free you. Then I'm going to redeem you. And after that, I'm going to make you a people group. I'm going to take you as my own people. And every single year, the Jewish people, they celebrate this during the Feast of Passovers. And the way they celebrate this is they drink a cup of wine, each cup representing a different one of those statements. Representing the four different I wills, okay? So today what I want to do is I want to show you those four promises. I'm going to give you a broad overview, essentially showcasing, hey, here's the offer that's on the table, okay? And then over the next four weeks, then we'll do a deep dive into those, okay? So here's the first promise. First promise is he says, I will bring you out. I will bring you out. God promises salvation. He promises it. Now, being that we live in the holy city, you can't drive a few blocks without passing a church. Well, many people will even say here in, in Charleston, oh, I got this one. Check that box, man. What's the next one? I got this one, right? Because the reality is, is most people in the low country either grew up in church, went to church, walked by a church, saw the church, or just knew some people that went to a church, right? And so they just assume, I'm good, but salvation isn't about your denomination. It isn't even a part of how often you come to church. Salvation is not about your church relationship. Salvation is about your God relationship. You say, okay, okay, great, Dave. That's okay. But then how do I know that I, I have this promise? How do I know if I've drank from this first cup? Okay, great. Let's find out. Titus chapter 3 gives us a filter to look at because it wasn't long ago that this group that I'm going to talk about, they too had recently just drunk from this first cup that we're talking about. They had just received salvation. And here's what it says. It wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn. I tell you, isn't the Bible awesome? I mean, it just it lays it out so good sometimes, right? We're stupid. We're stubborn. We're easy marks for sin. Ordered every which way by our glands. Now, that's just a really odd way of saying that your body calls the shots. Okay, like whatever the passion is, whatever the pleasure is that, that you go towards, right? It directs everything that you do in life. The pleasures in life, you have to say yes to it, okay? You're ordered every which way by your glands, by your body, okay? Going around with a chip on your shoulder, I deserve this. I'm better than this. We go around with a chip on our shoulder. We were hated and we hated everybody back. But then our God... Our kind and loving Savior stepped in and he saved us from all of that. In other words, here's what this verse is saying. Life without Jesus looks a certain way. It looks bitter. It looks angry. It looks like you hate everybody and everybody's hating you back. Good mutual relationship there, right? It's difficult. It's bad decision after bad decision. It's filled with letting people down. It's filled with... Letting your body call the shots in your life. And so if your life more rep represents or, or resembles the description that I just read to you, then you might need to drink from this first cup. God steps in and he saves us from all of that. It wasn't their doing. He says it, it was all his doing. We didn't have anything to do with it. So let's take a look. What did God do? He gave us a good bath. We came out of it new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously. Now this next line is the foundation for the first cup. It's the foundation for salvation. God has, God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. But it doesn't stop there. There's more life to come, an eternity of life. You can count on this. You see, I love how this ends because no matter how jacked up you think your life is, when you drink from this first cup, life is given back to you. And you realize there is so much more to life. No longer do I have to live angry. No, no longer do I have to stay ticked off all the time at everybody. and No longer does my body have to call the shots. 
No longer does the pleasure of sin have the dominating power in our life. No longer do I have to get hated and hated back. That's the first cup. It's salvation. Aren't you glad that God loves us so much he wanted a better life for us? Your old life can be transformed into a new life. And if you identify with that first, that's your starting point. I invite you, man, drink from that first cup. It's the first offer on the table. And I don't want you to forget this, because everybody in the world is somewhere on this journey that I'm exposing you to today. The first step in the process is identifying where am I in this process? Where am I in this journey? All right, let's go to cup number two. Here's cup number two. You see, because millions of people, they'll drink from cup number one. And they think, that's it. I've arrived. I'm here. Let's go. No, 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 no. You just started, baby. It gets so much better and better and better and better. Because now that you're out of Egypt, now that you're saved, now I can get the Egypt out of you. Now I can get the junk that's out of, out of your life. He says, I will free you. Now here's what's interesting about this cup. 80 to 90% of you, 80 to 90% of believers are in this cup. What does that mean? It means that you're saved. It means that you're going to heaven. Love God, right? But you've never fully experienced the promise that God has for us, which is the promise of deliverance. We're going to talk about this way more in depth on week number three, but let me say this about this. I don't want you to get freaked out about this term because unfortunately our society has jacked this term up. And I hate these kind of movies, but we hear the word deliverance. And most people in society, they go to this Catholic priest with a cross, spinning heads and exorcisms and all kind of crazy crap that goes on in the world, right? That's not what we're talking about here. Deliverance in the sense of what we're talking about here is we're helping believers, you and I, okay, to get out of the trap and the troubles that constantly show up in our lives. That thing that you struggle with that you just pray, God, I don't want it in my life, but yet it's just that struggle. It's like you're trapped in this old way of doing life. Let me say this as well along with this. This is not something that you need to be ashamed of. This isn't something that you need to feel less than about yourself because all you need to do is look down your row and realize that a lot of other people got junk. Go ahead, look down your row. A lot of junk done it. And if they say they don't have junk, that's their junk. <laughs> they got some pride issues to work out. That's a tough one. Good luck. Right? You see, one of the greatest writers of the New Testament, if not the greatest, talks about this exact issue in Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8 because it was the very struggle that drove him crazy. I'm talking about Paul. Paul loved God like crazy. He was planting churches left and right. He was advancing the message of Jesus all over the place. At the same time, he's writing about two-thirds of the, of the New Testament. All this is happening in his life. And at the same time, he admits how much he hated his old sin nature. The struggles that kept showing up in his life. Here's how Paul says it. This is Romans chapter 7, very end. He says, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, nothing good lives in my corrupt nature. Although I have the desire to do what is right, right? I, have, I, I can identify with that. I have this desire to do what is right. I just don't do it. I don't do the good that I want to do. Instead, I do the evil that I don't want to do. You see, I love Paul's honesty here. And I think if we could all get honest in this room and actually have conversations, we would say something very similar to that verse. We have the best of intentions, but yet we have this old fallen sin nature part of who we are. But he goes on to the next chapter. He doesn't stay there. He gives us some insight and some encouragement. Listen to this. This is the next chapter, first verse. He says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So catch this, because this is going to free somebody up. If you feel the same way like Paul did, like last Sunday you said, man, I'm never going to do this again. But, but, but by the time the next Sunday comes, you've done it five times over. Get this picture. 
God is not up in heaven shaking his finger at you. That verse says that there is no condemnation. That means none. God wants us to know. says, man, listen, I see your struggle, but I got a promise for you. I don't want you to stay there. I got an offer on the table, and it's this, it's this cup of deliverance. Not only does God want to save you and I and to spend eternity in heaven with us forever, but he has this, he wants this, this thing, he wants to experience right here on earth. I had a plan to get you out of Egypt, and I also have a plan to get the Egypt out of you. Sadly, so many people get stuck in this merry-go-round, and they stay here for the rest of their life. They don't realize that there's two more cups on the table. There's two more promises on the table that he has for us. He wants to save us. He wants to free us. And the third cup that's on the table represents this statement. I will redeem you. Redeem meaning to put something back to its original intent. You're never too far gone. God promises restoration. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose for your life. And no matter how far off you think you are from that plan, God promises restoration. Now, a couple times in this service, we had to preempt you afterwards to get jacked up about something. I'm going to go ahead and give it to you on the front end. This next verse should jack you up. Okay? Because of anything that people chase on this earth and that they're trying to figure out is who they are and what they should be doing. Aimlessly searching all the millions of books that they can find on Amazon of the self-help things of, hey, can, can you please give me some insight? I want to realize there's one book that you need to be looking into. Ephesians chapter 1, listen to this verse. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Does it get any more plain? telling you guys, there's some awesome stuff in the Bible. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. Yeah, that verse should jack you up. You should clap in celebration. It should be this. You want a verse to pray over your life? It's right here. Every day you wake up, you pray this verse over your life. You want a verse to pray over your spouse? Right here. Pray it every single day. You need a verse to pray over your kids? Pray this one multiple times a day. You need a verse to pray over your kid's spouse? Do it about a dozen times. Because you don't want to marry the wrong one. That's a whole other service. But we pray this. Now... I don't mean to be confrontational, even though I am bent that way a little bit, but hear my heart in this. Some of you are going to go home tonight and spend more time searching for a show on Netflix tonight than you ever will this entire year searching after the purpose that God put you on this planet for. You mean the God of this universe, he's got a specific plan for my life in mind? Yes! And some of you still don't know what it is. You don't realize that you're a piece of the puzzle that God needs to use to make this earth different. That's the third promise. Oh, we're going to dive into this on the third week. You're going to love it. You're going to love every week. Don't miss any weeks, but this, that's, you're going to enjoy that one. But this leads me to my final cup, the final promise, this overview. And this one's really fascinating because for three cups, three promises... God has been you, you, you. And on the last one, he changes it up. On the last one, he changes it to people. It's a group thing now. He says, I will take you as my own people. Isn't it interesting that in the final stage that God has a plan for our life, he doesn't make it about you. The final cup, the final step in the process is about a people group. Let me say it this way because I don't, I don't want you to miss it. He saved us. He got us out from where we are. He got the junk out of our life. He helped us find who we are and what we were created to do. And now he puts us on a team. He puts us with a family. He puts us in a church. 
He puts us in a group of people with a vision to impact this world. Listen to me, why would he do this? Because God never completes his best work in a person by themselves. He always puts you in a group. You can see this displayed all throughout scripture. Find a story that he does about himself. He always puts them in a group. You see it all throughout scripture. You'll be so fired up with what God is wanting to do that when you go home at night, you have this thought. And I've had this multiple times, and I'm in the season of it. I had no idea life could be this good. I had no idea that life could be this great. I want to end by saying this, Cathedral. There's an offer on the table from God Almighty himself. An offer to get you out of bondage. There's an offer to get the junk that drives you crazy out of your life. There's an offer on the table to help you find what you are and what you're living for. And then he offers to strategically place you in a particular location and in a particular time right here in 2022 in Charleston, South Carolina, where you get a chance to make a greater impact, leave a greater legacy than your imagination allows. That's the offer that's on the table. The next four weeks, they're going to change your life. The next four weeks, God's going to move you further down the field in your spiritual life than he ever has. I can say it with confidence. There is more. We're going to expose that. The next four weeks will show you that there is no greater joy in life than when you go home, you lay your head on that bed, you lay your head on that pillow, and you go to bed knowing and realizing, I'm making a difference. I'm doing exactly what God put me on this earth to do. Would that not be amazing? Because it's the last promise of the story. God promises fulfillment. I told you that I would end the service the same way that I started it. And I want to leave you with this thought. It's a very popular verse. You've read it many times. You've heard us talk about it many times. It comes from John chapter 10, verse 10. Here's what it says. The thief has a mission. He has, a, he has his own vision for life, for your life. Here's what it is. The thief is only there to steal and to kill and destroy. That's what the enemy does. He comes onto this earth and into our life to steal our hope, to kill the dreams that you have, and to destroy your future. Why? Because it's what he does. Because he realizes the other side of that equation. He realizes that if you have a hope that Jesus talks about, Ooh, that messes up his plans. Oh, he can't have you have that dream that he, feels, that he feels birthing on the inside of you right now. That's why he hits you so hard the moment you get in that parking lot. So, oh, i got to kill that as soon as it came up. He doesn't want you to have a future that scripture describes. Church, I'm telling you, there's so many promises in scripture that if you grabbed a hold of them with both hands and don't let go, it is a life that you never thought possible. That's the promise that he has on this table. And if you think that that's hard for our God to accomplish, let me remind you what it talks about in Revelations. There's a battle at the end of time. Last battle this earth is ever going to see. You want to know how easy it's going to be for our God to defeat the enemy? Here's what scripture says. Done. You can go into your life into every situation, all knowing the power of the promises of God. And when you do this, when you understand the promise, you can understand this promise, which is why God came onto this earth and into our life, because it's the promise that says, I came so that they can have a different kind of life. I came so they can have a real, eternal life. More and better, a better life than they ever dreamed of. Anybody want that kind of life? That's what we're going to explore. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and stand up. I encourage you, don't miss another weekend for the next four weeks. 
Because I think God has a message for you guys that's going to absolutely radically change your life. Everybody put your hands in front of you. I'm going to pray over you. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises that you have laced all throughout scripture. Father, there's a lot of things vying for our attention in this world. We're trying to figure out how we're going to end the second half of this year. We're trying to get our kids back into school. We're trying to get all the sports things going. We've got a lot of things vying for our attention. God, there's a lot of distractions that this world wants to throw at us. So that we stay away from the true vision that actually matters. Father, I just ask that would you give us a supernatural ability as a church. Everybody who hears my voice in this room. Everybody who hears my voice online. Father, would you give us a supernatural ability to see the promises that you have for us. To not only know the promises, but that we understand the promises. Father, would you give every single person in this room a supernatural ability to to have the energy that it's going to take to pursue those promises. Because it's in the knowing, it's in the understanding, it's in that pursuit that we realize something. Oh, there is a life that we can't imagine. There is a better life. There is a good life. Father, we receive everything that you want to do for us. But we claim that life right now. Expose it to us. Let us experience it. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Make sure you join us next week. We're going to be diving into the first cup. Thank you guys so much for being here. Love you guys so much. Have a great Sunday. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.